I'm going to begin with a quote from this book that we've been using the past few weeks by Ernest Holmes, New Design for Living. We are always successful. We are always achieving the goal we have set up for ourselves in thought. So our immediate problem is not one of success, but what kind of success we are having. We need not worry or wonder if we will succeed, but instead we need to direct our attention to that in which we really desire to succeed. We find ourselves right back at the starting point, the only starting point, thought. What is our habitual thought pattern? What is our thought content? Here is the beginning and the end, the cause and the effect. So again, once again, it's about thought. I looked up successful online at the Macmillan Online Dictionary, which I've never used before, but they define thought as, or successful, as achieving the results that you want. I'd change that just a wee bit. In Science of Mind, I imagine that we would be saying, successful is achieving the results that you think which is one of those um, good news, bad news things, I guess. <laughs> For the past few weeks, Reverend Larry has been speaking about the role, our role as the architect in our lives. Uh, he used the metaphor of the architect as the higher wisdom self that draws up blueprints. And then he talked about the construction crew and the, change, the chain of command and all that stuff that, um, that executes basically what these blueprints dictate. And I thought that was an interesting metaphor, and I don't think I'm the only one who has looked at his or her life and just kind of threw up her hands and said, what, you know, what happened here? And <clears throat> I found myself wondering about the whole blueprint thing, and I thought my, found myself wondering again, because I wonder a lot, apparently, I realized. Um, <laughs> what if the blueprints got hijacked? What if, and this is just a for instance, what if the blueprints got hijacked by a wounded child, for instance, who then acts as the architect, as the construction manager, in fact, just the whole darn crew, everything? What do you imagine could happen to those blueprints then? I would think that they would either get changed to conform to the view that the wounded child, now an adult, has of herself and or the world, or else she simply can't read them. She doesn't understand them, they don't speak, she doesn't know what it says, so she can't read them, so then what? Then she just goes it alone. She just flies by the seat of her pants, so to speak. So then we get this construct that might resemble a Salvador Dali painting where there's just stuff flung everywhere in different shapes and different colors, and it's just kind of a mess, and we don't even understand what happened. And no matter how many construction meetings that we hold, we keep coming up with the same thing. And it can be very confusing. And this does not mean that <clears throat> excuse me, our higher wisdom self has gone anywhere. It's like that old saying, if you feel separate from God, who moved? The higher wisdom self is still there. God is still right where it always is. 
we may have lost our way. We may have gotten confused. Maybe we started believing our own press, our own thoughts, our own blueprint. And so then everything is constructed. Our lives are built on that. So how do we get back? And back to what? And what is successful living exactly? Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science and Mind, says that successful living is exactly what we've got. We're always achieving the goal that we've set up for ourselves in thought. So in that way, we succeeded. So what are we thinking? What is it that we have to believe right now? What is it that we have to believe in order for our lives to be showing up the way that they are? And what would we have to believe to create the life that we want? Because the technology is exactly the same. Every Sunday, we say, Mike said it this morning, all we ask is that you stay open to the possibility of changing your entire life simply by changing your mind. I love that because it sounds, at the same time, simple and outrageous. But people ask me, how do you do that? How do you do that? And change it to what? Because for many of us, we haven't spent a whole lot of time paying attention to what's going on in there. It is one of our basic teachings that <clears throat> our thought is creative. Our body of thought, thank God, not every single teensy-weensy thought, but you put them all together and typically there's a trend there. And some people find this idea very strange, that our thought is creative. In fact, some people think it's just goofy. <clears throat> so I was thinking about that again, and for the sake of discussion, let's say they're right. What if they were right? What if it is just crap? <clears throat> what if we're just making it up? What if we're just victims of circumstance, victims of a world gone mad, just like leaves blowing in the wind? Stuff happens. It's not our fault. We have nothing to do with it. Even if that were true, I don't believe it's true, but even if it were true, that doesn't change the thoughts that are going on in us. It doesn't change what's going on in here. So we still have to live with what we're thinking. It's still the stuff that's swirling and twirling around in here, bouncing off the walls, so to speak. So regardless of whether we believe it creates anything or not, it still dictates how we view ourselves, how we view the world. So it still lives in there. There is a great article in July Science and Mind magazine about uh, an early New Thought person called James Allen. He was in England. I had never heard of this person before. I read the whole article. I loved it. He wrote a book called As a Man Thinketh. And he said that our thought, if not the cause of our experiences, is surely the cause of ourselves, that it shapes the tone, the tenor, the mood, if you will, of our lives. So certainly, if it's not the cause of our experience, it's what we live and move in as. We can feel joyous some of the time. We can feel happy. We can feel grateful. We can feel love. Or we can feel sad. We can feel helpless. We can feel angry. We can think the world is just awesome and we're just grateful to be here. Or we can think it's a big, scary place and we feel helpless and alone and not enough. Something's missing, something broken, any of that. Either way, 
these atmospheres of thought, kind of like that Charlie Brown character. Which one was that? Where every went and dust just kind of... Yeah, there you go. Where, well, it's kind of like that. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think for some of us, I know for myself at times, that's kind of what it looks like, or I imagine it would look like. Either way, either way, whether you believe thought is creative or not, we still have to live with it. So why live like that? Even if you take it no further than this is what's going on here and this is how I'm feeling all the time, why would you do that if you can change it? I have news. You can. Using the same technology that got you right here, right now. Exactly the same. Ernest Holmes says that we have to have a plan. <clears throat> I love that. I like plans. He calls a new balance in our pattern of thinking, establishing a balance that is more favorable toward good. So whether we cut pictures out of magazines and do those glue stick things and put them on poster boards, some people call that a treasure map, whether we do that or we make an agreement with a friend and we have dialogues about what our intentions are, what our vision is, what our picture, whatever it is, <clears throat> it doesn't even matter. By doing that, we can begin the process of setting an intention and then we build on that. We can just pick three things maybe, like Reverend Larry said. Just start with one and you set the intention and then you begin building on it. Now this is how I have to do it. There may be those, theoretically speaking, who can just go from just like that. And that's great. I, that is not my experience. My experience is I have to do it one step at a time and start where I am. So we start with an intention and we build on it. And first of all, we have to define what we want to experience. And this is key. And every single time I'm able to do this process, I shift. Every single time. There's one little key, one little hint. Act as if. Imagine how you would feel. Imagine how you will feel if you can do that. If you can't do that, imagine how you would feel as this starts to come into your life, as your life. Imagine how you will feel. And as we do that, we are replacing then old thought patterns, maybe unexamined thought patterns, with new ones because we've begun to pay attention and we've begun to imagine. And all our focus is on the new possibility. And as our focus continues to be on the new possibility, that possibility becomes a probability, and then that probability becomes a certainty. Because that's what we are focused on. We pay attention. And when we notice the old thought pattern creeping in, and after we've watched for a while, we know what those old thought patterns are, and there aren't very many they just travel very quickly over and over again. It's an illusion. There aren't very many at all. When we notice them, we replace them with new ones. And we do this with prayer, with meditation, with affirmations, with practitioner visits, and by asking, by taking classes, and by asking those of us who support us to assist us in noticing when things begin to shift. Because when we are accustomed to experiencing the same thing over and over again, that's kind of what we look for. That's what we see. And we might not see when something is starting to change. 
And so we might need someone to assist us in doing that. It's like uh, Larry's Fred Meyer grocery bag full of $100 bills. And my first thought when he talked about it, I was like, yeah, no, I wouldn't think it was mine. Why would it be mine? That's never happened before. That's never happened before doesn't mean anything. It's not a statement of a train. It's not anything. All it, that means is it's never happened before. It doesn't mean it couldn't happen now. It's just that simple. And things like that will start to happen. I'm not sure that you'll get sacks of $100 bills, but it's possible. But it might start, things like that will start happening as we change our pattern of thinking. And the thing is, as we change what we think, we change who we are. We change who we are. And we then can become people of passion, of love, of power. And we come to believe that who and what we are is awesome. And that life is fabulous. And that we can do anything that we want to do. James Allen wrote that we do not attract what we want. We attract what we are. We do not attract what we want. We attract what we are. So we have a plan. We have defined what it is that we want to experience, and we start to practice experiencing it so that we start to feel what it would be or what it will be like as that starts to happen. And that is, again, the most powerful draw that we can do is to act as if. It's like a big old magnet. And again, as we change what we're thinking, we change who we are. And we need to be consistent. And we need to focus on what we want, not what we do not want. And that doesn't mean that you ignore stuff like balancing your checkbook or paying a bill or something like that. I'm not recommending that. It just means we do what we need to do, and we keep our eye on the ball. We keep our eye on God. We keep our eye on the truth. We keep our eye on what's, what's coming with confidence, knowing that it is. And your thoughts, your emotions, Larry talked about this last week, I think, everything needs to be lined up to support these intentions. Your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, all need to be structured, aligned up with what it is that you're attracting into your life, which is really a new version of who you are, the truth of who you are. And watch for what I call strays. Strays are those errant thoughts, those emotions that might be accustomed to having their way with you. And they are not in charge unless you allow them to be in charge. You are in charge. And you have evidence that you're in charge. The evidence is where you are right now. You're in charge. This is what got you here. And so you succeeded. You were successful. So if you want something different, you use the same technology, which is focus, intention, action. That's all you see, because we've already been doing that. And it's a matter of pausing long enough to notice all this. It's a matter of stopping long enough to listen to what is thinking you, to notice what's running your head, to notice what you're telling yourself, to notice what you pay attention to. It's rather like 
taking a camera and backing up so that your, your picture gets bigger, you can see more. Because the blueprint for your life, you can tell when you're using that. Because when you use that blueprint, you feel like things are unlimited. You feel love. You're in touch with the truth of who you are. And your life becomes illuminated, becomes bigger. You feel more. You feel more love. You feel more passion. You feel like you're right where you need to be doing exactly what it is that is yours to do. That's when you know that you're using the right blueprint and not some faux blueprint. So Ernest Holmes said that the divinity, of man, the divinity of man must be made manifest through the humanity of man. And the divinity part hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there. So we need to look at what it is that we're operating from. And we need to remember that we all have faith in something. It's just like we're all successful. We're all successful in something. Are we successful in what we want? And we all have faith in something. Every single human being has faith in something. What do we have faith in? We can have faith that things never change, so we don't. We can have faith that things never work out for us, and so they don't. We can have faith that life is really hard and you have to work hard at it all the time. Then you do. Then it is. So the faith part isn't the question. Just like successful, is, that's not the question. The question is, what are we successful doing? The question is, what do we have faith in? Both those we have control over. Both those we can choose. So what are, what's your idea of success? And I'll tell you what mine was. I won't tell you when, though, but you'll probably figure it out. Here's a clue. I was a young wife and mother in Roseburg, Oregon. I was a stay-at-home mom, not because I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but because my husband believed that that's where... I belonged, was at home. So I was a stay-at-home mom. I baked my own bread. I made my own pasta. I sewed my own clothes. I sewed clothes for my kids. If anything could be homemade, I did it. And I loved my kids. I was with them all the time. I loved them. But I didn't think that's what success was. I wanted what looked like success in Ms. Magazine, what I thought success was where I saw these women wearing Evan Pacone shoes and Ann Taylor suits and carrying a briefcase. Now, to me, that looked successful. And so I became that. Of course, I had to ditch the guy that wouldn't let me leave the house. <laughs> but uh, but I, and that wasn't the only reason, believe me, but that's another story. <laughs> so I wanted to be a professional career woman. And I thought I knew what that was. And I thought I knew that that would be success for me, and so that's what I did. I set about to create that. I had a definite picture of what that would look like. And I had a picture of how I would feel, too. I'd feel fabulous, because I was successful. And I looked great, and it was just everything I wanted to be. 
And so I did that. And somewhere in there, I married someone else. I had another baby. And my career track just kept going, and I made it. I, was, I ran public accounting firms. And I had the, the, the whole deal. Carried a briefcase, had the suit, had the shoes. Picture perfect. But it didn't feel like I thought it would. It didn't feel like I thought it would at all. I missed my children. I missed my husband. I was successful on the outside, but it didn't feel like success on the inside. It didn't feel like I thought it would. And I had a picture in my mind before, and it just didn't seem to be right. But I had created this life. I had created it. And once I got it, I, it just felt like something was wrong. What I had done was I had created a life that I didn't want. And I spent a lot of my time and attention looking at the fact that I didn't want it rather than the fact that I had created it. And once I figured out that I had created it, then it occurred to me that perhaps, perhaps I could create something else. And so I did. Evan Picone's shoes hurt my feet. <laughs> I do have a leather briefcase somewhere. I think it's in a closet. I do wear Ann Taylor suits sometimes. I've been married to this man for 35 years. I adore him. I have three kids. I have grandkids. And I am doing something, living a life that I'm absolutely passionate about. I love it. I reinvented myself. In my 50s, I just reinvented myself using the same technology that I had up until that point with a slight little upgrade, which was science of mind. So I became more aware of what I had done, how I did it, and I just did it again with a different ending in mind. So what do you want? What does success look like, feel like, taste like to you? because you're the only one that can answer that. And then when you do answer that, ask yourself, what would you have to believe to make that happen? What would you have to believe in order for that to show up in your life as your life? Because we are always building something, always. We are always achieving the goal we have set up for ourselves in thought. And someone asked me during the in-between services if I had based the talk on the uh, today's science of mind thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. The answer is no, I hadn't read it yet. But at the very top, this is a quote by someone that I cannot even come close to pronouncing it. But you can look it up. I want to give him or her credit for it. If you say something is not possible... What you're really saying is, I don't want it. If you're saying something is not possible, what you're really saying is, I don't want it. See, I believe life is big because God is big. And that's the life that I want. Because as a very good friend of mine says, anything else is just a waste of time. So ask yourself, how would you like to use the technology that you've already been using to create something even more magnificent, more powerful than you have right now? Because you can do that. You already have. Let us pray. And so in this remembering moment,
in recognition of the one life, the one heart, the one soul that I call God. Here, now, always. Expressing itself in, through, and as everything. So that any and every given point in this universe and beyond, it exists in its fullness. With all its creativity, all its love, all its power. Infusing everything with God's stuff. And I know that is the truth of me. I know that I am a point at which God shows up expressing. And that because that is the truth of me, that means that I have any and everything I need. Not only do I have it, I am it. And because I know this for myself, I know it for everyone in this room. All God expressing. Nothing broken, nothing missing. The fullness of the divine is every single person here. And so I speak this word for and about everyone in this room at this precise moment, affirming a willingness to entertain the possibility that anything you could possibly imagine you already are. I affirm a willingness to know that you can access that anytime. All of us can. That the truth of us is unlimited. I affirm that we make wise choices, that we live powerful lives with confidence, with love, with brilliance, knowing that for each one of us that does that, he or she gives another permission to do the same thing. Because that is the truth of life itself. And in gratitude for knowing this truth, I release this word into that law of the activity of the divine that always says, yes, I'll take it. And so it is. Thank you for being here this morning.